Welcome to the first wave of our takeover of Your Eardrums. It's the Disenfranchised Podcast, or that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me, as always, the man who understands the importance of waves, it's Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, Stephen. How's it going? It is going, my friend. How are all the things going with you? Pretty, pretty all right. You know, I, I finally moved my old, my old new CRT up to my room. My roommate is going to Vegas for a week this next week. So I'll have the house to myself. Right on. Um, you know, I'm a pretty responsible adult most of the time, but I might cut. When did that start? A few times this week. When did you become a responsible adult? Was that like sometime in the last week? You've only been around me when I'm untethered from my adult responsibilities. Okay. Touche. Touche. Okay. Like, your boy's got a whole other life, dude. Like, I, all right. A whole I, other life. I will concede. Yeah, dude. Right on. So that's what's up, yeah. We should probably make no mention here that our, our friend Brett has uh, is not with us this week. He has been conscripted into a weird military training program. Um, as soon as he is able to get out of that, we wish him a very speedy return. What's his code name, you think? Um God, I don't even I don't even know. Zombies uh, taken. Zombies taken. You know what he, <laughs> he could he could be Jigsaw. Um he could be Slimer. Um he could be Stay Puffed. Hey hey. I like that. Yeah. I don't know that he would like that, but yeah. We'll maybe ask Gozer. him next week. Yeah, maybe we'll Gozer. Next week. Yeah, yeah. Vince or Clortho, possibly. Vince, Vince Clortho, uh Zool. I would be Vince Clortho. Yeah, I know you would be Vince Clortho. Of course you would I'd be. I just walk Vince around Clortho. saying, "Maybe I got a milk bone." <laughs> oh, even when Brett's not here, we find a way to make Ghostbusters references. I try to say that as much as possible when I meet a scary dog, and in my line of work, I meet a lot of dogs, and some of them are scary. So at least sure. probably a handful of times, like five or six times a season, I get to say. Maybe I got a milk bone. Does anyone Just ever like laugh that. when you do that? No. Okay. And yet you persist, man. That is that is commitment. It's not for them. It's for me. Okay. That's why that's why all my tattoos face me. <laughs> right. Okay. Most people get tattoos facing out. Except for that one on your shoulder me. that you've seen one time. I, I mean, when I hit it in the mirror, it's still facing me. It's facing me as much as humanly possible. It's not upside down and backwards. Fair. You know? Fair. Uh, well, Tucker, look, there is a prequel to um, The Hunger Games coming out this week. Um, a movie that honestly, Why? I was, we don't know. I, look, I didn't even know that it was happening. I uh, Googled it. I saw it on like uh, one of those movie release calendars and I Googled it and it was for sure happening. And I think I might have seen an ad for it. But like other than that, I've heard nothing about this damn thing. I think it's got Jason Schwartzman in it. Oh yeah, that's the only thing that kind of caught my eye. Yeah, my playing Jay Schwarz, playing like the the ancestor of Stanley Tucci. He's 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 Baby Tooch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's got um, what's her name, uh, Rachel Ziegler from uh, West Side Story in it. Oh, um, right. But anyway, so because of that, we're talking about. Uh, another movie, one that failed to kick off a franchise, but still features teenagers conscripted to kill each other, and um, also based on a YA novel, 
strong female protagonist, awkward love triangle. It's got everything, uh, just like the Hunger Games, except it's called what, Tucker? It's called The Fifth Wave, and I kept calling her original crush Ben Tramer. I kept wanting to call her Ben Tramer just because, like, (laughs) they they always say his first and last name. Just like right. at Halloween, she always says Ben Tramer. It's never Ben. Yeah. It's Ben Tramer. Or, or Ben Harper. Poor Ben Tramer. Poor Ben Tramer in Halloween too, man. He, oh, no. Yeah. He's wearing the wrong motherfucking thing. He is. Poor guy. <laughs> and you know, if Sad Loomis weren't such a fucking ridiculous human being, oh, he might still be alive. <laughs> Sam Loomis, the word, and I think our friend and actual psychiatrist, Mike uh, Snooney, or actual counselor, Mike Snooney, would probably agree. Maybe one of the worst mental He's health so professionals much. ever. <laughs> Get your ass out of here. I shot him six times. <laughs> yeah, dude. But no, we are talking about 2006's uh, The Fifth Wave, directed by Jay Blakeson. Just the letter J Blakeson. Hey, that's me. That's my that's my code name here, the letter J. The letter J, it is. Uh, Sorry, written written by Susanna Grant, Akiva Goldsman, and Jeff Pinkner, uh, based on the 2013 Rick Yancey novel, also called The Fifth Wave, and starring Chloe Grace Moretz, Alex Rowe, Nick Robinson, Ron Livingston, Maggie Siff, Maria Bello, uh, my. Uh, Micah Malone, Micah Monroe, excuse me. Um, I, I couldn't tell if that was an I or an L because of the font in Wikipedia. Zachary Arthur, Leif Schreiber, Tony Revolori, Talitha Bateman, uh, Nadi, uh, I'm sorry, Naji Jeter, Naji Jeter, excuse me, goodness. Uh, Alex McNichol and Parker Weirling. What a cast. Tucker, what a picture. I cannot tell you how happy I was. And leave Schreiber showed the fuck up. I was like, finally, yeah, finally, someone I've heard of in this movie yes. that they're not going to kill off in twenty minutes. I just love Leave Schreiber, as I said many, many times before. We have, you, we have discussed Leave Schreiber could just on the show. Put Leave Schreiber stuff on my TV on loop twenty four hours a day. I'd watch it. Did so you ever see the movie he directed? No, what's it called? Everything is illuminated. No, I didn't see that. Is he also in it? No, he's not. But you know who is? Oh, who is? Your, your boy Elijah Wood. I do like him quite a bit. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've all got a little Elijah Wood in us, you know? And he represents a, a certain part of everyone. Does he? Yeah. I think okay. he does. Oh, okay. I think he really, really does. It's news to yeah, me. But but Lee, all right. Leave Schreiber is totally my jam. I will watch him in anything. And it just it elevated this film for me just to have him being present. And he does his thing like he, he doesn't does. care. He's like, oh, you give me some bullshit. That's all right. I'll no, he's 100 percent the best part of this awesome. movie. And it's not even close. Like he is he is he is the bright and shining star in this one for me. Oh, he's not in it enough. I wish you were in it. Agreed. More. No. And that's one of the reasons one of the reasons I would totally watch a sequel to this. Mm hmm totally watch a sequel to this i'm i'm going to assume now i i will be very clear i have no um familiarity whatsoever with these um are there more books or is there there, just the one book it is a trilogy sir holy fuck is is it sixth and seventh wave no it's uh the infinite sea and the last star no i'm glad that they i'm glad that they went away from that because they could have very easily done that and it would have been nonsensical because correct book book franchises do that all the time 
So I'm I mean, glad look, that no they, one, you know, no one bitched too bad when George Lucas did it on the re-release of Star Wars. Is all I'm saying. So, yeah, you guys, I don't know if you know this, but the first, the New Hope, it's, it's really just called Star Wars, you guys. It is, and it always was until it wasn't. Is it also a New Hope? Sure, sure, but. Loki, it's Star Wars. I'm I'm always gonna call it Star Wars. I will only call it a New Hope when I get you know around some, you know, fucking fanboy. But yeah, or and that's a common question. You're like, yo, fucking Star War, and they're like, which one? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, a New Hope. You know, is what right. I was implying. But whatever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It it becomes very quickly becomes once he realizes he can do more than one, it becomes the name of the franchise and not the name of the film. And that's a smart move because Star mm-hmm. Wars, it's pretty, it's a very general thing. You know, you can do anything with it as long as you're in space and there's some kind of war going on. Right. You're set, dude. You're set. Here's $5. Go see a Star Wars. Absolutely. Yeah, go see the Star Wars. Go yeah. see a Star Wars. Yep. Um, but yeah, man. Now, Leaf Schreiber, no. 100% the best part of this movie. Like, I've got no beef with Chloe, Chloe Grace Moretz. I think she is a fine actress. This movie does not do her any favors. I think she has her moments. I think the, the middle the middle of the film. I think the middle <laughs> of the film. Uh, a kind fish, of... a fish, a fishy. <laughs> oh. I think the middle of this film kind of uh, wastes her completely i think it wastes everything honestly i think she's really great that's the thing about this movie is i just didn't like the second act that's it everything else was fine for me like it starts so strong and then it just drops out like like it had me it hooked me like Mm -hmm. i was like i didn't even look at my phone until halfway through this movie yeah i was like this is like i've seen stuff like this before but this is still pretty fucking cool and then the middle hits and you're like okay Literally the first half right. hour, I am like vibing with this. I'm like, wait, is this good actually? Like I wanted so badly to be able to say this movie fucking rules. Uh, but after that first half hour, like once you kill off Ron Livingston, I just kind of like stopped caring for most of it. And then I can't, it doesn't do enough in the third act to, to get me back. It doesn't like, I'll tell you the third act is leaps and bounds better than the second act for sure. For sure, but none of but, but it does, still doesn't hold a candle to the first act because it doesn't do. First of all, it's predictable as shit. Like, well, I'll tell you, I I predicted the outcome, but I didn't predict the details of it, and that okay. was kind of an exciting reveal. I was like, oh shit, that's wow! Like I was getting it as they were, like we were all realizing it together, and I was like, oh, that is kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I knew where we were going, but I didn't know that we were going to take this road there. That's right. pretty okay. That's yeah. all right. I'm into that. This is, I mean, you know, this is, we're taking the scenic route, at least. Yeah. I and mean, the first time, the first time I saw that when they were like, this is an x-ray of a person with the parasite on it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but that, that's a kind of a big thing. And like, this person's head isn't like bulging or anything. Yeah. And so, I'm, I'm also, I don't know if that was intentional or, but no, because they are, I mean, they're the ones that are infected, but their heads aren't bulging yeah. either. So it's, I mean, it's, it's something parasitic, but it probably doesn't look like that. Now I knew homeboy that rescued our girl. I, I knew from the second I saw him that he was oh, something, yeah. he was yeah. not human. He was something else. I knew it was going to be complicated. Yeah. Well, the and, and my problem with the re, with the reveal of who he is is that scene is so fucking dark. I don't know what the hell is happening in that scene. So I Yo. didn't even know there was anything special about him until she starts talking. And then I'm like, wait, Yo. did he do something? Did I miss something? What happened? Like, it's so fucking dark. I couldn't see anything. 
Yeah, I did kind of think that was kind of silly and out of character for her, too, to just immediately tell him to go fuck off, considering he just saved her life from, like, five dudes. Yeah, and they also, uh, presumably, they also had just fucked at that point. Yeah. Wait, okay, so here's something that happened, and I'm not sure. Now, I watched this movie, and I was like, I can't believe this is PG-13. This feels like a soft R, at least. Well, they never say fuck. Well, I noticed that. See, I watched it on Sling. I have Sling mm. TV. It's Look like, at you, you know, with like your Sling TV streaming cable or whatever. Because sure, I gotta sure. watch Chucky, man. I gotta watch Chucky. You do love your Chucky. Uh, and there's a couple other shows, you know, that I and I got a really good deal. But anyway, um, so it was 142 or an hour and 42 minutes. It's what mine said, uh, and then. You know, when I was looking at some other things, I saw like two hours and three minutes. Uh, mine so was an what, hour 52. What did I not see? That I don't know. Maybe maybe you should go through the plot for me and I'll... I'll... Because, because here's the deal. Like I say, the version I watched at the beginning of it, it said this, this film has been modified from its original version. It has been formatted to fit this screen. Right. Now, had it been edited... They would have said that. Correct. They should have said that. For time or content, you know, is what they normally say, or both, time and content. Mm -hmm. Um, But this still felt like like too rough for a PG-13 movie. This still felt like an R with whatever I missed. I mean, there's some dark fucking shit in this movie. There there is. I mean, look, it's a movie about fucking child soldiers. (laughs) I think that's what kind of, despite the fact that, that it did get a little silly, Mm-hmm. And it's especially it's, there are, I think that two people edited this film. Mm. I think one person who knew what was going on, and then every once in a while they had to go to the bathroom. And when they went to the bathroom, <laughs> some insane, ridiculous people put together a scene because most of this movie is just, it's whatever, it's fine. It's edited like you would expect it to be edited. It's not great, it's not bad. It's, what you would expect but there Mm -hmm. are some scenes that that harken back to bohemian rhapsody in their just abhorrent editing style and these there's a scene at the beginning where she's at school Mm -hmm. and she's talking to somebody i don't remember but it's literally like 45 seconds of her talking and i swear you to you they make at least 30 or 40 cuts back and forth i yeah yeah, that, I, and it's yeah. so weird when it happens too because it takes me out of the movie. So, like yeah. I said, the rest of the movie is it's edited like you would expect it. You don't notice there's anything off, mm-hmm. and then every once in a while, a scene will pop up where they're just instead of doing a two shot, they're just cutting back and forth, cutting back and forth, cutting back and forth, and it's nauseating almost. Oh God, let me see if so. There's only one editor listed, and that is Paul Rubel. Is the editor listed in the IMDb credits? Uh, this is the man responsible for editing. You know what? He he's he's Michael Mann's editor. So what the fuck? What was that shit? I don't. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You noticed it too, right? Yeah, I did. But I mean, okay. So here's the thing. He is Michael Mann's editor up through Public Enemies. Um, so Learned. he edits, which is the only movie of his that I didn't really care for. Honestly, I, I don't like that one. I think the, the keep is a worse movie, but, um, and, um, but that's also Michael Mann early experimenting with digital filmmaking. 
-hmm. and he's still kind of figuring it out. So he is Michael Mann's editor on The Insider, which is fucking great. Um, Collateral, Miami Vice. Collateral's good. Miami Vice and Public Enemy. So he does those four. But he also edits like movies that we can cover on this podcast one day. Like, um, fuck. Um, I just, I just had it. Give me a sec. Um, he, he, well, movie we have covered league of extraordinary gentlemen. Uh, he edited Michael Mann's the Island, uh, or Michael Bay's the Island, Michael Bay's transformers. Sound right. (laughs) He, Michael Bay's revenge of the fallen. He, uh, Thor, a future episode of his podcast, battleship future episode of this podcast, need for speed future episode of this podcast, seventh son. Future episode of this podcast, fucking Bumblebee. Like, he's just like, <laughs> like after his collaboration with Michael Mann ends, he, 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 it's Thor. And then, or yeah, it's Thor, Battleship, Need for Speed, Transformers, Age of Extinction, Seventh Son, Fifth Wave, The Fate of the Furious, and Bumblebee. Like, so he becomes an action guy after Public Enemy exclusive which is cool but that still doesn't explain what the fuck is going on in this movie i mean well it and it feels it so it feels like sometimes he's editing a michael mann movie and sometimes he's editing a michael bay movie and he can't decide which one it's gonna be because you, you know you get the long cuts the state you know the stuff that's supposed to look like a movie and that's the michael mann movie and then it's the frenetic quick cutting for no reason and that's the michael bay movie yeah is what it feels like to me like those, those seem to be kind of the two, and it can't. It's like he can't decide which one is which, which one he wants to do. Oh, well, he also edited future episode of this podcast, Hancock. I want to throw and I don't. There. I like that movie. I know you of. do. It's weird. It um, is. I have a very weird relationship with that movie because I like gonna... both parts of that movie, but I don't like how it transitions. Here's here's my promise to our audience: we will cover that movie within the next year. Oh fuck yeah, dude! I'm way into that. I know you are. Wait I mean, it's it's partly your your insistence that we're covering it within the next year. So, well, yeah, because we got to do Wild Wild West that month too. Yes, we do. We're Will Smith theme month. What? Wicked Wild. Man, I wish they were gonna make a sequel to Enemy of the State, dude. That's the one I want to talk about. That's ooey. I like mm. that movie a lot. You seen that, right? Enemy yeah. of the State. Jason Jason Lee saying "fuck Hackman. a duck" incessantly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's where I get it, but it's always nice Probably. to hear people say fuck a duck. Also, one stuff. of the last great Gene Hackman performance. Uh, well, first of all, the performances are always good, but one of the last great Gene Hackman movies. Yeah. Because God knows after that, it was kind of downhill for him. Like that was totally retired. Yeah. He was like, no, thanks. I mean, he retired after Welcome to Mooseport and really like what a one to go out on, though. Hey, that's got your boy Ray Romano in it. That's your boy, not mine. But no, I I like Ray Romano more as a dramatic actor than I do as a uh, like Ray Romano in The Irishman. Fucking unbelievable! I'll bet, I'll bet he's good in that. Fucking yeah. unbelievable! He's so good in that movie. He was also like, in that Get Shorty TV show, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. I think that's what I liked about um, Somewhere in Queens. Mm. It's because it is it's a mixed performance. You get to see him do some some really dramatic stuff, but he's also kind of a funny guy. He does. He's a dad. So like, I mean, he he plays the exact same thing in the big sick. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that, but I've heard it's really good. He and Holly Hunter are so good in that movie. Like it's undeniable. Those two are phenomenal in that movie. Ray Romano is my favorite Dr. Katz guest there. I said it. Yes. Okay. I'll give you that one. I said it. I'll give you that one. 
He's great on that show. Yeah, he is. He's really funny on that episode. The, the one episode of that I'm remembering. Yeah, he's I think he's on four or five different. Yeah, episodes. I was going to say he's probably yeah. been on more, but I'm remembering one in particular that I thought was really funny. I think him and Dom Herrera have hold like the record for being most appearances on Dr. Katz. Those guys Tom Herrera. There's a name show. I haven't heard in a while. God, <laughs> love yeah, that dude. guy. Fuck yeah, He's Dom funny. Herrera. <laughs> he is. Dude, you got to get up. That's the rabbit hole you have to go down this weekend. Hop on YouTube and just watch the shit out of some curated Dr. Katz. But don't just watch the segments. Watch the episodes because you got to get that good early H. John Benjamin shit. In I there. was going to say that's where I originally know H. John Benjamin from. And then before he was little in Benny everything. Cats. Yeah. Little Benny boy. Little Benny. Benny Benny. Benny Benny. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, how did, how did we get here? <laughs> it doesn't matter we're talking about the editor and we yes. came over here somehow yeah i don't yeah, i was I don't gonna know. say that the the kind of editing that sometimes pops up in this movie it <clears throat> it's not bad it just doesn't fit what's happening mm-hmm. like for example you have the same kind of editing in the famous scene from bad boys but that works because it's fucking bad boys. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. Like, again, like the difference between like a Michael Mann edit and a, and a Michael Bay edit, like, and this guy seems to have his foot in both worlds and can't figure out which movie he's making. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it pops up in the weirdest places. I'm never expecting it. I'll just be having a normal time. But then I'm just like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) my brain starts flopping around in my head. What's happening? Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Man, yeah, it's fucking wild. But no, I but to to cut back to your point, like as to what was cut out of this movie for in the edit that you saw, like right before that scene happens, like they start making out in the back of the the. I remember the smooching. I didn't remember any implied sexual intercourse. Well, but then when like they cut back, they're like like cuddled up next to each other in the back seat. So I'm like. You know, they're they're making out, they're teenagers. Teenagers are notoriously horny. Like he may have slipped it in. <laughs> I'm just saying, there is there is some potential fuckery that has happened in the backseat of that car. That's all I'm sometimes, saying. Sometimes it just happens, man. Sometimes it do be like that though. Um sometimes it do. But and and you know, the the very obviously forced love triangle, which is I think the, is kind of a hallmark of some of these YA books. Um but Which, you know, like, I, I, Hunger Games has that. Twilight has that. Like, it's kind of a it's a built in feature. Well, at least on this one, I don't feel like they 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 kind of spent too much time on it which was nice like it was no because that's what the sequels are for triangle because like you had the dude and she made out with him and then she got back together with Ben Tramer and <laughs> like. Zombie but nobody seemed to be mad. Like homeboy's dead, right? Like he splodied. He got splodied in that building. Did he? I'm gonna say yes. Like if I'm he a... shows up in the sequel, the non-existent sequel. Like I'm gonna be like, well, you better explain that shit. Okay. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look. No, he's he's totally here. Um, the book becomes much more involved with the members of Squad Fifty Three and the character Ringer. The group takes refuge in an old hotel near the ruins of Wright Patterson at Cassie's insistence that Evan is still alive. Uh, Evan attempts to, oh. yeah, Evan, Evan's still there, man. Evan is revealed That's to have survived having been rescued by another silencer named Grace. So there you Damn go. Damn it. You know what? Like how, do you know how close this is to the book? Is there any indication on, Cause damn it, Steven, I might have to listen to these audio books because like, that's the thing about this movie. Is it a good movie? Not really, but 
I really like the the stuff going on on it is really intriguing. Like I'm really interested in well, this I'll... story. I think the story <laughs> itself is great. The writing is not great. The directing is meh. But I think the story itself, the bones of this story, it's something I'm very interested in. And that's something that that's a conclusion that Brett and I came to when we talked about Artemis Fowl uh, a few years ago when when that movie came out in, in 2020 at the height of the you know the pandemic and the awful. Um, that movie just Disney plus just kind of like slips that movie out under the radar farted it out. (laughs) Yeah. Just, I mean, it just like, and not even like a, like an autumn, like just a little squeaker of a fart. Yeah, dude. Um, does, does that movie come, come, come out? So, but we (laughs) talked about that and we're like this, the bones are, there's, there's some interesting world building here. Like there's a story here that's interesting. It's just not in this movie. Um, and this, this definitely has that kind of, again, to, to compare to another YA story like this kind of has a similar feel to it in that it looks like there's something interesting here. It's just not translated particularly well. Um, It feels like, and again, I know that they're wanting to dig into stuff in the future sequels, but in terms of the ending, it feels like the book ends very similar to the movie. Like the three narrowly escaped the bombs had ringer and the rest and the rest of the squad 53 not appeared in the Humvee to save them. They all leave Camp Haven behind, now a smoking crater, Evan Walker lost in its wake. So, and then we find out in the sequel book called The Infinite Sea that he has survived. Um, I'm going to have to read that shit, damn it. So, and he survives apparently into the third novel as well. Spoilers for that. Where are you at, Audible? Damn it. (laughs) How many Audible credits you got saved up? Uh, I I had to cut off my subscription because I was getting such a backlog. There was a time there where I couldn't get audiobooks quick enough. Mm. Uh, but then my driving habits uh, changed. Yeah, same. <clears throat> same. And so I've, I've got a huge backlog. So until I'm through this backlog and feel like I'm at a spot to where I can, you know, go month by month and listen to a book every month. Mm-hmm. I got to lay off of it. Sometimes something will come out where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to buy it anyway. Cause I know I'm going to listen to that. Like, yeah. I'm probably gonna have to pause my subscription for a, for a, for a little bit anyway. But, um, but yeah, like I've got, I've got a couple, like two or three credits stored up right now. So I might, nice. I, I've been, I've been promising myself I'm going to buy the John le Carre novels. So that for me is the big, the big thing I want to get into, but. I have added the fifth wave to my audible wish list, the infinite sea and the last star. Those are the three novels in this series. And so they've got two narrators, a, a lady and a dude. Do that. I don't know. It's interesting. No, okay. I'm looking at it. I'm telling you, I'm not asking oh. you, Steven. I'm flat out telling you. Okay, fine. Fine. <laughs> there are two narrators. fine. For each book, for each book, there are two narrators and the boy is different in the first one. But the girl is the same through all of them. Okay. So I'm guessing one. I'm even more intrigued. Damn it. One is probably narr- narrating Cassie and the other is narrating like Evan and, or no, probably Ben, honestly, because he feels like more of the focal character. And Ben Tramer? Yeah. Ben, zombie okay. Tramer Harper Parrish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, God. Yeah. What a, what a weird thing. Um, yeah, and and then we find out like at the end of this movie that her name is actually Cassiopeia and not like Cassandra or something, and I'm like, okay, you fucking know this character is <laughs> is 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 written by a fucking author trying to be cute because yeah. authors can't give their characters just normal names; they have to like name them after weird shit. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Cassie, short for Cassiopeia. Not Cassandra, like a normal person. Wowzers. Yeah, man. So, I don't know. Or Ben for I was named after Ben and Jerry. God, what a what a dumb joke. Um I was uh I was named after a character on a soap opera called Guiding Light. Mm. I was named after a biblical martyr. That tracks. Yeah. My sister was named after a name my mom liked. So that's nice too. Yeah, she had she had that name she had those names picked out. And she had another name picked out if my sister was going to be a boy. What was it? Uh Jason Patrick. I like him in The Lost Boys. Right. <laughs> He's good. He's real good at that. <laughs> but yeah, no, and but no. My my mom had our names at least our my first name because my dad was like i don't want a junior like do not name him after me so Boo. i have, my middle name is my father's first name my dad oh, nice. hates his my dad hates his middle name that's why uh and because cool. he hates it i will not repeat it here on mike but um <gasps> um but no so my middle name is my father's first name um that's really cool and then my um my youngest nephew his middle name is my first name what you've been yeah, honored i have i have a namesake out there because god knows i'm not having any kids of my own so my yeah. daughter's middle name is an homage to our uh mutual friend jp leck oh wonderful that's a true story love that guy yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, man, the just like fucking names like that. And I I feel the same way about Brian Fuller shows. Have you ever noticed that every Brian Fuller show, the main female lead uh, has a dude's name? Like what is classically considered a dude's name? I hadn't noticed that before, but now that you mention it. Yeah. Like Dead Like Me, Wonderfalls. Um, they, they all they are all but it's like usually like well it's winifred but i'm everyone calls me fred for short like something like that <laughs> yeah. so it's like life ain't easy for a boy named sue but it's you know it's a little better for a girl named fred i guess but yeah all of all of and even he even does that in hannibal like which is a, a brian fuller show he he takes what is typically a male character and just casts a female and changes nothing else that little like, red-haired gal yeah Freddy, yeah yeah Freddy, you know, uh Freddy... I want to say Freddie Riedenschneider, but that's the lawyer and the man who knew to, or the man who wasn't there. Oh yeah, yeah. Freddie um, Riedenschneider, played by a, a fucking monk. What's his fucking name? Adrian uh, or um, no Tony Shaloub. Yeah, Tony Shubalubaloub. Tony Shaloub. Um, now, because now I want to know what the Freddie Riedenschneider. <laughs> Not Freddie Riedenschneider. It's Freddie though. It's definitely Freddie. It is. It is. It, but I'm Freddie Lowndes. There you go. Played by uh, Lara Jean Korostecki. Uh, Didn't Philip Seymour Hoffman play him in Red Dragon? Probably. That sounds right. Yeah. Because he's the one who got tied to the chair and set on fire. So Correct. that's definitely him. But that's he's not. Manhunter. That's not how that happens in uh, in the show. Um, no, it is not. <laughs> in uh, Manhunter, that character. Uh, future episode of this podcast, Manhunter, by the way. Oh, I can't fucking wait. I uh, just give me a fuck. I, I think we're going to wait until the um, uh, the the heat sequel comes out to cover that. Um, it's Stephen, Stephen Lang. Lang. It's fucking <laughs> Stephen great. Lang. Yeah, That's we both right, found that yeah. at the same time. Right on. That's wonderful. And he he looks he looks insane in that movie, too. Like, do you remember oh, what he looks Stephen like? Lang. 
Do you remember no, what man. Stephen Lang looked like? Google. I haven't Google, watched that your, movie in probably five years. Do yourself a favor, Tucker. Right. In fact, do it right now because I kind of want to hear I'm see your it. hear your reaction. Stephen Lang, Manhunter, and just fucking look at that look, man. Just look at that at that look. Like you would not even if you didn't know that was Stephen Lang, you would not know that was Stephen Lang. I'm looking in the photos from. IMDb. Like, I don't see here. too many that have him in the suit, but that suit that he is wearing is really what I'm talking about. It is kind of insane. Well, there's a lot of fucking people in this movie. Jeez Louise. Yeah, man. It's is good. Man. It's <laughs> oh my fucking, God. Right? Fucking look at all look at first of all, look at that haircut and then look at that suit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he almost looks like uh uh like fucking uh, if robert downey jr had grown up differently like if he went a different way in his looks <laughs> right like just slightly different yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. they could be cousins they could it, oh it's fucking weird man fucking weird but yeah so i mean there you go that's that's that do you think we should do the plot I don't have any history with this movie, do you? Yeah, no, God, no. I I remember seeing the trailer for it. I know. I'd never heard of this before. Like, but I think I was thinking it was a different movie. Like, when I found out that Chloe Grace Moretz was in, I'm like, I am, I was thinking of the wrong movie. But I I remember something about this movie happening. Um, And there's, which means that there's probably another YA novel adaptation out there that I am forgetting about that also never got sequels. Um, but uh but yeah i remember seeing like a trailer for this and that being the last thing i ever heard about this movie so that's yeah i, I have no history with this i read some of the plot synopsis for the no- for the novels uh on the internet and that's about all i know it was nice to see zachary arthur the kid who plays sam um he is one of the protagonists of the chucky tv series oh now. okay okay i guess yeah. i did not recall that that makes that that's good yeah glad, and of glad course that kid's still getting work of course, you got Flash Thompson in there. Scream, Scream Six is Flash Thompson. <laughs> Scream Six, Tony Rev- Wes, Wes Anderson's own favorite collaborator, Tony Revolori. Yeah, dude. And outside they, of Roman Coppola, yeah, they, they, or Owen Wilson, <laughs> right? Well, they show that picture. The, there's that shot of him on top of the building, and I'm like, we have to be getting more Tony Revolori in this movie. If this is all we get of Tony Revolori, I'm going to be pissed if you're saving all the tony revelory for the sequel i'm gonna be pissed and then they he's like part of the group and i'm like okay all right he's there he's there okay he pops is. in every once in a while like, he is. yeah i mean he doesn't none glasses. of those none of those guys have any characterization other than they're part of the team like that's really all they have but they're just child soldiers that literally this is like a fucking enders game shit except like far more sinister somehow or even uh, uh, Divergent. It's mm-hmm. also about kind of like teenage, not really soldiers, but it's similar. I mean, but but again, and hung, we're, we're talking about this because Hunger Games movies, like those are all about children fucking fighting and killing each other. Let's let, before we do the plot, let's do like a brief, brief history of like the YA adaptation post Harry Potter. All right. Okay. Uh, now everybody, Stephen had went to uh, a lot of great lengths to put this together. So let's settle in. <clears throat> yeah, this Take is one ride. of those. Steven, one of those. Please go ahead. We're going to do this thing that I used to do early in the show, where I would just talk for like twenty minutes straight, and Brett would just occasionally go, "Oh, 
and that was like it but yeah um That's so crazy <laughs> dude you're you're doing so well right now um so the harry po- the first harry potter film and honestly the first lord of the rings film they both come out in 2001 um so that feels like the kind of the beginning of this whole thing like the harry potter books kind of kicked off this ya push within in just literature but the uh the harry potter films like translated that into movies and so everyone's like well we can do this too um so those movies start in 2001 and there are other films in between i'm gonna leave a lot on the on the floor here or just a lot on the table those movies come out like every year Order of the Phoenix is 2007, like, and then in 2008, you get Inkart, previous episode of this podcast, Inkart. By the way, I'm going to be saying previous episode and future episode a lot a, in this rundown. Wait a minute. What's Inkart? Inkart's that Brendan Fraser movie um, about that, uh, the uh, this, like, book, and it transports him to another world. You got Andy Serkis in there. You got uh, Paul Bettany, uh, Helen Mirren, Jim Broadbent. What's um, the movie I'm thinking of with Mickey Rourke and the devil? Uh, Angel Heart. There it is. I was like, is that? I, I thought that was what that was. I was like, wait, that's a YA novel? No fucking no, way. No. That's ridiculous. Robert De Niro is the devil. Yes. Lou Cipher. Get it? Lou Lewis. Cipher. Louis Cipher. I saw that movie once and it was really cool. I have never seen it. I kind you of want check to. It out. Though. I want to. I definitely do. Um. It's kind so, of fucked up. It's I believe really it. Fun. I have no problem believing it. 2008, so we get Inkheart. We also get something called the Spiderwick Chronicles. Uh, future That's episode thing, of this yeah. podcast, the Spiderwick Chronicles. Uh, and we also get uh, a little, the first uh, installment of a little series called the Twilight franchise. Huh. Um, so those pop up because uh, a Mormon lady uh. had a dirty dream and decided to write a book about it. Um, and... That becomes its own separate, very popular thing. Uh, 2009, we get something called Cirque du Freak, The Vampire's Assistant, uh, a movie I have actually seen. And we will guess what? Yeah, I have seen that. Cover that on this podcast one day. I've probably seen that. So, yeah, we will we will revisit that at some point. Uh, Another future episode of this podcast in 2011, we get I Am Number Four. Uh, what if there was a number four, I guess, uh, the only what if I were him, uh, starring, <laughs> starring favorite of this podcast, particularly this past year, Timothy Oliphant. Um, well, Hey, Hey, we do, love we him. do love, we do love Timmy O. Um, and then in 2012, we get the first installment of the hunger games franchise. The reason that we are covering it, this movie today uh, 2013, the next year, we get Beautiful Creatures, future episode of this podcast, Beautiful Creatures, starring everyone's favorite, Alden Ehrenreich. Um, we also get a future episode of this pod, or a past episode of this podcast, excuse me, Ender's Game, uh, also in 2013. And Mortal Instruments, The City of Bones, uh, also in 2013. 2014 gives us the first film in the Divergent franchise. Uh, Represent. As, as as Tucker and I were talking about before this started, uh, that movie, uh, that that franchise, of course, ends just trips and falls right before the right before the finish line. Um, I saw both of those at the movie theater, Stephen. Um, both of them. You so you saw Insurgent and uh, Divergent, Insurgent, and Allegiant Part One. 
Yes, so three of them. Okay. I saw all three of them in the theater, and we were anxiously awaiting that television series. Which will never happen. No. Uh, Particularly because Shailene Woodley is, like, soft-retired now, so. Well, it's kind of a bummer. Because they were going somewhere with it. It wasn't yeah. great, but well, it and was it's also, watchable. It's, it had its, it's audience. It's been so far out that like I think everyone's – kind of with this movie, like if they yeah. ever decide to do a sequel to this one, everyone's aged out, so they kind of have to choose a different medium for it. They'd have to do kind of a, a Ripley's game with it. We're yeah. like, this is a sequel, but like a sequel to the first one happening in a different universe. Correct, yeah. Um, then we have the Maze Runner series, which kicks off in 2014. Um, I'm, I'm missing several in that come in here. Like I'm missing beastly. I'm missing, um, wait, did I watch that beastly? It's the one with, um, Vanessa Hudgens. Why do I feel like I've seen that? It's really bad. You might have, I'm probably is it's, we're going to cover it one day, a future episode of this podcast. Speaking of future episode of this podcast, Vampire Academy also comes out hey, in 2014. Also represent. I did not see that at the theater, but I have seen it multiple times, whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> Feels like you were dating someone around this time who really liked this type of movie. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. Uh, Maximum Ride 2016. That's that's a thing that happened. Um the um what else the darkest minds in 2018 uh also in 2018 future episode of this podcast darkest minds also future episode of this podcast mortal engines future episode of this podcast um our friends from high on cartoons are going to join us to talk that one uh speaking of Stephen lang he's in mortal engines Fuck yeah, dude. um and then past episodes of this podcast artemis fowl and chaos walking i know there's a lot that i left out there but I'm really just trying to illustrate how fucking ubiquitous this genre has been for pretty much the majority of this century. Like people keep trying to do the next Harry Potter, the next hunger games, the next twilight to the point where we're now just making prequels to that. With the case of hunger games and Harry Potter, we're just making prequels to that shit. Like those fantastic beast movies suck a big one too. God, they do. I didn't even watch the third one. Like I had to watch those first two in theaters because my ex really loved Harry Potter. Um, Me too. But like I did, I just really bad. By the time the third one came out, I'm just like, wild horses could not drag me. And look, I don't have I don't have a problem with any of the Harry Potter's movies. The third one is by far the best out of the series. It's the only one directed by an actual auteur. I'm pretty indifferent about all of them. They're fine films. They're they're they do what they're supposed to do and they do it pretty damn well. They are what they are. But where was I going with that? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Fantastic Beasts movies, dude. Those suck ass. From the first frame of the first one, it's like, no, nah, this ain't it. They suck ass and not in this a fun way. This ain't it at all. This ain't it at all. No. No, no, that's not. No, they're bad. They're very bad. Um, but um, well, I think I think mm. I'm sorry. Uh, no, what what uh, the, my point of where I kind of was going there is that I think the problem with all of these YA movies that just sputter out or like go double down and do the sequel anyway mm-hmm. uh, is because they're buying the rights to a lot of these books before they're even finished. Correct. Like something like Harry Potter. Lord of the Rings, those are established properties. You know they're classics. You know it's going to be hard to fuck those up. Mm-hmm. 
But like these well, are I mean, all, they're just grabbing whatever's coming out. They're like, that's a YA thing. Make that exactly. a movie. That's a YA thing. Make that a movie. We don't know if it's going to be profitable, but it's a fucking YA thing and it's sci-fi or whatever. So you'll, let's go. You'll, you might remember the same exact, the same exact thing. Excuse me. God, t- words are hard. Um, the same exact thing happened after X-Men came out in 2000. He must not be named X-Men. That movie comes out and is successful. And all of a sudden everyone's just buying up as many comic properties as they can doesn't matter if anyone's heard of them. Doesn't matter. The same thing happens after the success of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. People start buying up indie comic properties like The Tick and Max and like just shit. That, that was a good time to be alive. Right? Like fucking <laughs> yeah. the fucking the Max, animated dude, Spawn yeah. cartoon. Like the HBO one. Holy shit. Yes, that's good. All have that you seen fucking those? shit. All three of those? I have not. No. Holy fuck. You got to watch those, Steven. That is I will before we cover 90s Spawn. adult animation. It's if if so that's good. if that Spawn movie actually comes out, I will, hey, I will try to watch all that before we cover hey, that. Brett, guess guess who uh, guess who lends a voice in that? Did you just call me Brett? Uh, yeah, but your your other Brett, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I know no. Spawn is voiced by Keith David. I know. Oh that. boy. That's by, our boy, Steven. By my main man, Keith David. I fucking love that guy. We love him. We do. That's we gotta that we need to do the interview with the the cameo interview. That's who we need to do it with. with yes, Keith David, with Keith yeah. David, hundred percent. That would yes. be fucking rad as hell. We'll just be. <laughs> it will be the Chris Farley type sketch. We'll be like, we hey, can you say the thing that you said? The one movie that was really cool. Can you say that right now? Hey, remember, remember that time yeah. you fought, you fought, hey. remember, you remember when you fought Rowdy Roddy Piper and, and you're like, not this year for like remember, 20 minutes. Remember you, when you fought him for like remember? 20 minutes <laughs> and it's like the best fight scene in movie history. Do you, do you remember, do you remember that? Yeah, that was, was like, awesome. yeah, that was awesome. That was so awesome. <laughs> did you guys really, did you guys really fight? Did it really hit you? <laughs> Do you, do you remember? Do you remember when the thing killed everybody except for you and and you and Kurt Russell and you guys are sitting out in the cold and he's like, "Why don't we just sit here and see what happens?" And and that and then the movie ends. Yeah, that was that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. God, I love Keith David. What a legend! What not in this movie though? Tragically, I got not unfortunately. It could what use it, some Keith David. You know, would it, would this movie have been just a little bit better if Keith David had been playing the Leif Schreiber role? No, I know you love you Leif, Schreiber. Have Leif Schreiber. You can't find something else for him. What else is there in this movie? For a man of his age. Um. Fuck, I don't know, dude. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's it. That's what you got. I don't know if there is a role for him. I mean, because we got only because Leif Schreiber's already there. If Leif Schreiber weren't there, yeah, stick Keith Keith David in there, sure. But I'm I'm so so It'd what you're saying is vibe this, for sure. No, that's what then that's what I'm saying. Like, is the vibe better if that's Keith David instead of Leif Schreiber? That's what I'm I don't asking. know if it's better, but it would be different. I mean, I'd say that they're they're comparable in the caliber of actor that they are. They're both excellent excellent thespians well mm-hmm. trained and 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 well-read thespians who know their way around a, a screenplay leave schreiber mark, you know i think leave schreiber does a really good job of playing kind of here's here's what i'll say i think keith david is better at cranking up the charm in a way that leave schreiber can't quite get it up that high like keith david can turn it 
on and it's blinding. Leif Schreiber is a charming man. Don't get me wrong, but he plays scummy really well. Like he plays like that. Just right. Like he dirty jumped gritty. on the scene with cotton weary, dude. Yes. This is just what I'm the saying. Warmiest little dude ever. Not a bad dude. Just no. a little stinker. Exactly. A, a little fucking mischievous fuck. Exactly. And so he plays that really well. And I think, um, David can play that too, but with David, he he can play that guy and seduce you at the same time. Say he's See got also swagger, dude. Requiem for a dream, like, swagger. That is a hundred percent his role in Requiem for a Dream. Yes, and I always need to remind you, he did not take it out for air. No, dude. I'm just saying that's that happened. Um, that's the thing that happened. We all it, let it happen. It is, and we did, <laughs> and we're all culpable, quite yep. frankly. Um, God, that movie makes me so fucking sad. Um, <laughs> and he makes me so fucking sad in that movie because he is so scummy in that movie. But he's again, so fucking charming. He's he is he's yeah, diabolical, but he's charming. And I think if Leif Schreiber's in that role, it it's a it's a lot more threatening from the get go. Whereas Keith David kind of lures you in, like mm. he's got that kind of almost like he would play a good devil in something. Like I know Peter yeah. Stormare is kind of the like the the platonic ideal of Satan in film. Well, I think if you ever so. cast Keith David as Satan, he automatically takes top spot. I'm gonna that that's my yeah. bold claim right now. I don't think it's that bold, really. And I'm I really I'd be surprised if he's never played the devil in something. But it would be hard to find out because he's in about 30 movies a year. Yeah. I mean, he is a prolific voice actor because with a voice like that, how could he not be? How could you not? Like, how could you fucking not? He's in. I'd be mad if he weren't like like, everything. One of the greatest things is his turn as the villain in The Princess and the Frog, a movie I'm not super fond of, but he is easily the best part. I like that movie a lot, actually. I I have that DVD. I love that. I like the music in it. And I like the villain in it. And that's about it. Like, I, I think the rest of it is fine, but like his villain is like one of the great Disney villains of the last century of of the 20th, 21st century. Like for me, for whatever that's worth, probably not much, but there it is. But yeah, man, Dr. Facilier, love him. Keith David. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. Indeed. But again, sadly, tragically not in this movie. Um, how did we get on this Keith David bandwagon? Uh, we were talking about Spawn for some reason. No, Keith David. YA. Oh, no, because we're talking about like the idea that um, Hollywood just kind of buys up these properties when one thing is successful. And, and, and because, again, Hollywood is all about trying to replicate a previous success, not realizing that that success was because someone took a risk and took a chance Mm -hmm. and did something different and bold and original, but that that's not Hollywood. And again, this is something that comes up constantly on this fucking podcast. Just this notion that when, when there's a good idea somewhere in Hollywood, we just need to replicate it ad infinitum until it stops making money. And then we find whatever is making money. And then we jump on that and keep doing that. But, you know, something that is good that comes from that uh, outside of all of the the garbage that you get from it is when it all comes back around to nostalgia, you have a a new era of filmmakers, you know, taking those things that they loved 
from this type of movie when they were growing up and making something even better. I mean, it happened in the nineties and two thousands with like exploitation films. Sure. Like, and it, well, I mean, it's kind of been happening since, well, I say the nineties, I guess. Yeah. Um, they've been elevating that shit because these are good filmmakers that love shitty movies. Mm-hmm. And so they well, make some think really good shitty movies. You get, so there's two sides of that coin, right? So when this comes back around, I'm just saying there's the good side of that coin with like, Tarantino um, and Rodriguez who are making like taking those kind of like schlocky low budget grindhouse exploitation films that they loved and giving them a a modern sensibility. And then there's on the other side of that coin, there's like your fucking JJ Abrams's JJ Abrams's who are like just making that same thing over and over and over and over again. Like, I don't think JJ Abrams has an original idea in his head. He just, remakes the f- the popular thing that he liked when he was a kid without really trying to update the sensibility of the thing. You know what I'm saying? So there's like, there's the, the reinvention and the, like the, the deconstruction reconstruction that Tarantino and Rodriguez are doing. And then there's just a straight up regurgitation that you get from something like, uh, like, Star Wars, the uh, the Force Awakens, which is still a fine movie, but that's essentially what that is. Or like, I'm gonna get so much shit for saying this, like Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is just like the same thing, but now. Let's while while we're here and Brett's not, you know, he's not gonna listen to this. I know. He's did not. you watch? Did you watch that um, next on Ghostbusters trailer that came out this last week? The like frozen whatever, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's a monster of the week, dude. That's not a. I know. That's not a movie plot. That's a monster of the week. This should be, and that the reason I thought of that when you mentioned Ghostbusters, you were talking about J.J. Abrams. I really liked the Star Trek movies. I liked mm-hmm. the first two a whole lot, and then the third I liked, one. I liked the first one feel, and the third one. I didn't like the second one at all. The second one sucked out the, loud. The third one didn't feel like a film plot to me. It felt like a television plot. That's what I, that's kind of what I liked about it, though. Well, and at that point, just just start making a series. Like I'll I'd watch that. No, and I'm look. I'd watch I, that. Star Wars or Star Trek. Fuck, fuck. Star Trek started on television. Like next year, 2024. I and I don't know how successful I'm going to be in this, but I want to watch all the Star Trek next. You're gonna year. watch all the Star Treks, yeah. I'm gonna try to watch all the Star Treks next year. So if you want to hear how that's gonna be going for me, even the animated, even the animated. Look, it's all on Paramount Plus. All of it. Deep Space Nine, yep. Voyager, mm-hmm. Enterprise. Yep. Fuck Keep yeah, going. Dude. You're doing great. Those I stopped caring after those. Um, after that, you've got um, Discovery. Wait, what's the one? What's Picard, the one? That's got Bacula. Enterprise. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. After that, you've got Discovery. You've got Picard. You've got uh, Lower Decks, and you've got Strange New Worlds, which I've heard is phenomenal. So, Word. like, I, I. I've, I got into some discovery like I did some, and I liked discovery. I know a lot of people did not care for discovery. I really enjoyed it. Um, but no, I want to, I want to, I want to engage with all the Star Trek, but Star Trek started on television. Like that's yeah. the format to which it was suited. And I think they made movies for two reasons. One, because Star Wars was really fucking popular and Paramount's like, well, we have this sci-fi series just kind of sitting here. We should do something with it. Um, but, and then, Second of all, it was kind of a way to 
you know, revisit some of the, and you know, God knows that most of those actors weren't really doing much at that point. So it was a chance for them to kind of get back and do some work. And that, that the franchise ended up getting revived into the, into the nineties. And then with the next generation, even further, like it, it's one of the longest running franchises of all time, which I think is why I was actually talking to a friend of the show, Hope Lickner about this the other day. Um, there's something about a, a, a long running series with very few breaks in it. Something like a doctor who or a star Trek, very different from something that has like this big, long break, like a ghostbusters or a star Wars where you have this like long gestation period where this, these, this very small amount of output becomes like crystallized and almost sacred as a result of, um, as, as a result of just having to sit with it, like the first two Ghostbusters films are like capital C canon. Like they are mm. God S tier God tier thing for that particular group of fans. And anytime you try to fuck with that, anytime you try to change anything up with that, heaven forbid you cast new actors or, you know, God forbid a female as a Ghostbuster that will then just burn this whole fucking thing to the ground or, Oh my God, a, a girl can use the force. She's a fucking Mary Sue. Get her off the screen. Like it becomes like a very like a polarizing, very caustic, toxic kind of kind of reaction to those things in a lot of cases. I'm not going to say in every case, because I don't want to make a blanket statement like that. But in a lot of cases, that kind of is what it becomes where you've got this kind of reaction because these things are held in such high esteem because they've not been continuing for literal decades. I think the longest stretch without any Star Trek at all is five years. Well, it'd have to be in between the animated series and next generation. No, it's the animated series and the first motion picture. Oh, I meant just television. No, I meant I, at all. Like no Star Trek whatsoever. Oh, gotcha, like, it's five yeah. years. It's five years between the end of the animated series and the and Star Trek the motion picture. Man. And then I think there's like something there's I think an equivalent amount of time between Nemesis and or yeah, Star Trek Nemesis and the Kelvin timeline JJ Abrams movies. Well, I tell you what, I sure did go to the theater to see Star Trek Generations when that motherfucker came out. Mm. The first contact for me, that one, first contact remains one of my favorite Star Trek movies. I fucking love that movie. Your boy was a big Star Trek fan in middle school, man. Big same, man. Big same. I mean, I've been casual with it since. Same. But boy, middle school, next generation was my shit. I was, I would frequently check out the Star Trek companion books from the library. You remember when they used to have like companion books for TV series mm-hmm. that would give you like all the background and all the characters and shit. I, I would regularly check out the original series and deeps or in uh, next generation books from my local library. As a kid. I also recall those books. Yes. Yeah. I thumbed through them a few times myself. Mm hmm. I wore my communicator uh, badge to the screening of Generations. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It was one that made noise, too. You could go bloopity bloop. A little chirp chirp. Yeah, dude. I also had uh, the Enterprise, the one that was about like this big. That thing was rad, dude. You could push buttons on the back and it would make noises and the engines would light up and shit. Hell yeah. My dad I and I, the, like my dad was really into model building when he was growing up. So we actually got a model of the Enterprise D from Next Generation and we're like putting it together in the basement. It was fucking rad. Oh my God, Steve. <laughs> I just remembered this. I had the transporter toy. 
<gasps> or Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, okay. I always wanted that. It was really cool. So my first apartment right out of high school uh, is right across from my high school at the marina there, right across from the Warren Library. Mm-hmm. It's where I lived. And we had a lot of parties because half of our friends were still in high school. Right. So after school, people, everybody would just come over after school to my house, to my apartment. And my friend Jason, he he would put his wiener in the transporter and he'd walk <laughs> around and, it, and then he would make it appear. <laughs> Oh, to be young. Oh, you just ruined my childhood with that story, man. Thank you. You just fucking shot my... You just took my childhood out behind the barn and shot it in the back of the head. Thank you for that. First, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden... And whoop, there it is. I hate it. I hate it so fucking much. I hate it so much. Damn you. Oh, good times. I just thought of that. I feel like, like we've talked more about Star Trek than we've talked about <laughs> the movie we're supposed to be here to talk about. I no, tried to get you to do the plot like a half an hour ago. Man. I wanted to do the YA shit first and we got here. Um, but no, I mean, all that to say, like, I think there's something to be said for um, a long running franchise and fans being a little less precious about it. And with that, you can kind of pick and choose. Like you can pick which star Trek you like and which one you don't. Some of it might work for you. And some of you don't, you're not going to be as precious about it. Whereas something like star Wars, you're just like, well, this ruins all of my childhood because I have put so much of my lifetime and effort into this one thing. And because of that, I take an installment that I don't like so personally that it ruins my entire life retroactively. And that seemed like a good idea when I decided to be that person. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, let's do the fucking plot to this thing. So for those of you joining us, the first of all, if you manage to stick through this whole first fucking hour, particularly that like 20 minutes of Star Trek digression. Thank you. People, people like Star Trek. Nah, people love Star Trek. Star Trek fucking rules. Um, by the way, if you want to hear how that's going next year, uh, you should probably join our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod, uh, where every week we put out a new show called uh, What Are We Watching, where we talk about what we've been watching the previous week. And if I'm watching Star Trek next year, you best fucking believe I'm going to be talking about it there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Wow, uh, But this part of the show is what we call the plot in 60 seconds. This is where Tucker will flip the Canadian quarter of indifference which will decide which of us, he or I, will be recounting the plot of 2016's The Fifth Wave in 60 seconds or less. Tucker will flip the coin. I will call it in the air. Tucker, flip the coin. Call it in the air. One, two, three, go. Heads. Oh, I dropped it. Hold on. Fumble. Party foul. I got to do it again. I'm not looking at it. You're going to call it again? I am. Okay, one, two, three, go. Heads. It is tails, my friend. <laughs> All right, I'm putting 60 seconds on the clock, and you are counting the what? plot. Fuck you, mean you said heads? Yeah. So if it's heads, I I do it. No, if it's heads, you win, which means I have to do it. If you lose the toss, that means you have to do it. That's always how it's been from since the first episode steven is it because i always get confused if you remember the first episode i can the early episodes of the show i would consistently get fucking confused about how this works and guess what 
I'm still fucking confused about how this works because dude, I am. If you win, I'm very tired. Basically, it's like if you win, you get to choose, which means the other person does it. And if you lose, but see, I think you're getting it confused with the dice roll because we're assigned numbers. And if we hit those numbers, we have to do it. Whereas like with the coin flip, when you win the flip, you don't have to do it. Judges. You're good. You're good. You're you're literally just looking Everybody? out your window yep. right now over there. You maybe. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're good. Okay, because see, this is weird, because all these judges up here, and there's at least 12 of them, they're all siding with me on this. So. Oh, maybe they'll have to flip a coin. <laughs> Fine, put the time on the clock, I'll fucking do it. All right, let's do it. I hate life. I Look, I'm I'm not trying to, like, weasel out of You anything. absolutely I'm, are. No, that's that's how it goes. That's what it is. If you win the toy, coin toss, you don't have to do it. If you lose the coin toss, you have to do it. That's how, that's how it's always been. Again, you'll if you go go back and listen to those like first like five or six episodes and we do it differently every fucking week because I can never remember. I got 60 seconds on the clock, Stephen. All right, fine. Cassiopeia, Cassie Sullivan's a teenage girl, normal teenage girl, and then aliens attack and they go through all these different waves. Um, like there's a, a flood and a disease and uh all the power goes out and then they like send out a bunch. They apparently like attack people's brains. And so the fifth wave is going to be all these child soldiers that they're going to get to like kill uh, the rest of the human survivors. And so they all go out to do that. Um, and there's all these fucking kids doing that, including Cassie's little brother. Cassie kids. managed to get separated from her brother because he wants his fucking bear and she goes to get it and the bus drives off without her. But that ends up sparing her. All the adults die. Uh, it turns out that the aliens are actually in the military and they're trying to get them to kill all the kids to kill all the um, the rest of the human survivors so they can take over the planet because they need the planet Earth. Ten seconds. Um, the kids figure it out. They manage to get the kid out and escape. Uh, there's also another farm kid who's apparently uh, an alien, but he sleeps with That's the main time. girl. They all get out and they're going to fight another day, except the sequel to this movie never got made. That was really good, Stephen. And, you know, while you were doing that, I was remembering uh, something that proves my point is back in the days of the coin of justice, when you would flip it. Remember that long run where Brett kept having to do it? Yeah, but I don't remember what he was calling or what ended well, up landing. Here's the deal is you would flip it. I would remember and he would call it and you would say in a particular way, you would say it is tails like in a disappointed sort of inflection and it was always the opposite of what he called. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back and listen, Steve. I don't like the fact that like like you 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 don't believe me, man. I'm just I'm I'm tired and I'm confused, Tucker. I'm allowed to be tired and confused. I've also no, had a dude. couple of seltzers, man. Oh, you said seltzer water. I thought you just meant like because I drink just seltzer water. No, dude. This is like I didn't know it was spiked. This is, this is a fucking vodka soda. Ooh, in watermelon a can. though. Is that good? Yeah, it's my least favorite of the four flavors in the pack that I got. I drink, you know what? When I started drinking beer quite a bit, I realized that I could get carried away pretty easily without realizing it. And so I started buying uh, seltzer water. And that fills that gap for me. Like during the day, if I'm like, man, I want a beer, I'll grab an orange seltzer. And see, I uh, drink these as opposed to beers because uh, fewer calories, fewer sugars, fewer carbs, uh, less sodium. 
To be clear, the seltzer water I'm talking about has no alcohol in it. Yeah, this does. To be clear. To be clear, mine does. I'm not day drinking with Truly. All right. I'm drinking like some polar seltzer water. No vodka. Beer is after the kid goes to bed. Sure. Unless it's my birthday. Sure. But or you family know, family function. I'm drinking Topo Chico, High Noon, White Claw, Truly, Neutral. Hook it to my veins, buddy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Dude, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. But yeah, so that's the plot of this movie. Um such yeah, as it is it's cool it, stuff going on there man it's but but in the same but it, by the same token and i was telling you this before we started recording it feels really fucking derivative of like five other ya things like you've got the child soldier angle from ender's game you've got the i which never al- saw ender's game which also ends up like the the whole idea that the kids are actually fighting the war and the military is like kind of tricking them into doing something they don't realize they're doing also from ender's game uh you get the the love triangle that is a fixture of every major um ya franchise you get the again they don't they don't make a huge deal out of it though the most awkward that it gets is when like uh she sees evan and they smooch and ben tramer's just in there like cool but and they don't even cut to him until like all when they're almost all the way done and he's just like we're kind of on. We got time. We got to do a thing. Yeah. Like, remember, he's not remember even that, mad. Remember he's that brother of yours you were really <laughs> yeah. concerned about finding? He's he literally says that too. He's like, we need to go save Sam now. Can yeah. we do that? <laughs> I mean, you guys going to fuck again? Or I mean, I'll watch that if I have Should to. Should I just go do the thing and you guys, you guys can just stay here? find a room? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he said he planted some bombs. So we might want to. No. Okay. Ski daddle. No. Can no, I'm, go on, yep. All right. Um, but but again, I mean, I would argue that that's kind of in the vein of the Hunger Games in that regard because it it's kind of a back. It takes a backseat in the first book, Twilight too, from what I understand. Like it's it's kind of a subdued yeah. thing in the first book and becomes more of a big deal as the series progresses. Which again feels very much a part of what they like. The Gale Peta thing doesn't really crystallize until the second one. Um. And then the and then comes to a head in the third. Um, and I have a feeling this is kind of be a and, but then you've also got the added entanglement of Ringer, and it feels like Ringer and Zombie are gonna be a thing. Like it like oh, Ringer yeah. and yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Like cause it, so it feels like maybe we've got a, like a love a love quadrilateral, quadrangle, something. Something with four well, sides maybe, as opposed to maybe three. her and Cassio get together. Who knows? Maybe. Look, we can only hope it's something like Yo, that. Yo, I like her eyeliner, man. I like her eyeliner in this movie. Dude. She like she she is coded as like the goth emo chick. Yeah, dude. Uh, who takes nails no it. shit. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's great. And it, is it a generic character? Sure, but she fucking kills it, dude. I mean, she plays it very well. Is is it is it a one note character? Yes, but she hits that yeah. note oh, wow. perfectly. <laughs> Yes, sings it at the top of her fucking lungs. Correct, belts it to the rafters. Yes. That one note that she's got, boy, how do she hitting it every fucking time? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then you've got like the the oh, the the love interest is actually one of the monsters thing from Twilight and Beastly. Well, but what but what is he though? Like we don't. He says he's like half and half, but we're still not really 
clear on what he he's is. a sleeper agent like he is yeah, one I know, of, he is like, what the military is except he is choosing like and again it's what he says at the end like i can't be both things i have to choose i'm choosing you like so I he still, does have that thing in his head it's still there he's just suppressing it because she is so beautiful that just looking at her um like made him forget that he was trying to plot the destruction of this planet like uh like the day the earth stood still kind of or like fucking twilight that. like i i i smelled no. this girl from across the school and i realized no, that no. i i that being a vampire sucks and i'm going to choose her over my family no that was the thing you've seen the day the earth stood still right the of course i've one? seen I mean, both versions the, yeah yeah the original's because... a fucking classic uh, the remake was fine. It was, it was, no, it wasn't. But okay, it was fine. It did. We didn't need it, and it wasn't great. But I don't think it was offensively bad. No, but it wasn't great. No, it wasn't great. I think they they tried. They tried their little hearts out, but you know, sure. They sometimes did, they it doesn't. Sometimes something. it just doesn't hit. You know, like you want it to. Nope. Sometimes sure you get about halfway don't. there, like you do with this movie. You know, mm-hmm. you just get about just right about there, and we're like, this could be. This could. This could be something, man. And that's and what I'm saying. Even not. though it's not, it's not great. Still, like with the shit that happens in this movie and the the plot beats and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm ready for a sequel. Yeah, I'm fucking ready. I want to know what happens next. But then we've also got the you know the whole fucking dystopia thing from like the Divergent series and the Hunger Games. That's a as little well. different. Like, yeah. I mean, it is like it's alien caused as opposed to whatever the other ones are. But like it. But again, it's that. Kind of, both of those others are pretty futuristic too whereas this is pretty modern right but all of them kind of have that like sci-fi trappings kind of imposed upon them like i got all... kind of a red dawn vibe from this too mm-hmm. kind of made me think of that yeah all the kids you know kid soldiers yeah that's that's yeah, fucking red dawn straight up wolverines yo and it it doesn't really feel like it because like when they when i first find out like oh there's gonna be fucking child soldiers like oh my god this is does this movie have something to say no they're Not just really child soldiers yeah i, I mean it's it, bad enough but also right you could it it feels like they could have been adult soldiers but we want to make this a ya novel so they have to be kids like that's kind of what it feels like you also have the main female protagonist who will do anything to protect her younger sibling like katniss in the hunger games like it's very much that kind of again there's, there's just a lot that it feels like it's borrowing from other more popular books and and movies yeah i could see that it didn't bother me as I, much really because i thought i don't think it's too like on the nose with any of it i i don't know that it, it bothered me but it, it like I, it, I could see the cracks. Like I, I could. Mm-hmm. It, it felt obvious. It didn't do enough to like change things up or adjust things to make it less noticeable or to, to kind of innovate in any way. It's just like uh, this is this works, so let's do this. Or hey, what if I took this aspect from this thing, this aspect from this thing, and these three aspects from this other thing, and I smashed them all together and made this this new thing, but didn't change anything in a way. Didn't add infuse it with anything new enough to like. And the whole alien thing that that's Stephanie Myers, the host, like it's all baked into this shit. Like it's all in there. So I don't it's know, the man. YA amalgam movie. It really kind of is. But, but again, in it, 
that formulaic approach, I guess, makes sense when you're churning these out. And I'm not saying that was the original author's intent was to churn out something like everything else. But the movie, I'm saying absolutely, that's absolutely why we're doing this. Like this, this feels like very much a cash grab. Um, whereas you're making this thing and you're doing it by a formula because that's what's worked for all of these other ones that we've done so far. And that's the Hollywood machine at work. Like that's the thing that we were talking about earlier. Like Hollywood is a reactionary industry. It's all a reaction to what's come before. And without understanding that innovation is what's going to help this. Like if I've seen this movie five times already and I've seen it done better five times, then why am I going to sit through this like, shittier reductive derivative film and i'm not saying this movie is overall shitty there are some bright points here as we've mentioned Mm -hmm. but like compared to a lot of those other films if they've done it better why am i sitting here watching this one i'll tell you what i think i think this would have made a a good television show if i'm being honest i mean just the plot of the first film could have covered six episodes yeah you could have done you could have done like a limited series like uh just a limited series of the first three books do three seasons yeah because i felt like there was a lot of stuff going on and they tried but just the the character development it just it it wasn't bad like it it gets you there it gets you there but it it could have been so much better i feel like you put something like this like this into a tv show and give it give it you know six to eight hours to breathe right i think i think you're gonna have a lot better results especially with that cast too Mm -hmm. the same cast yeah just give give me a six or eight episode series of 45 minute episodes and i'm way into that and i think even a year or two later that probably would have been a more feasible approach Mm -hmm. but like for a long time everyone was so resistant to television and even after it becomes popular like you know, are, are the kids actually going to the movie? Like, are they, are they actually watching TV or are they all on their phones watching the TikToks? Like that's what fucking Quibi was about. Like, Oh, we can't keep anyone's attention long <laughs> enough. Let's make them 10 minutes. So you can we'll, we'll watch them on the subway. And who fucking wants to pay for a service where you're, you can get a max of like an hour and a half of content. Like this is the binging era. Like we want to sit down and just devote a day and a half to a fucking thing. And you know what? We'll we'll watch a show in parts if we have yeah. to. I'm just saying yeah. you're you're in a waiting room. You got your headphones. You sit there for five, ten minutes, watch a little bit of your show. Mm-hmm. You know, go and do what you got to do. Go home, finish it. Yep. You know, like absolutely it's not most shows. You can do that pretty easy. There are some shows and movies where that's probably not a good idea. Right. Stuff like detention, like don't split detention up in any way. <laughs> You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. You won't you remember. kill the momentum of that movie. You kill the momentum of that movie and you've ruined it. And you won't fucking remember what happened five minutes ago. If you're not actively watching. I don't. The thing. I don't anyway. While I'm actively watching. Right. It, so. Yeah. God, what a weird movie. What a that weird movie fucking just movie. Like, made us- <laughs> we just like, you know, the speed bag that the mm-hmm. boxers do. That's my brain. The movie does that to my brain. The whole movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, I it, love every second of it. It feels like a way. It feels like Christopher Landon just smoked, just like just like did like five lines of coke and wrote like <laughs> ten movies in one script. Is what it feels like. What a beautiful! I still need to see Bodied. I gotta see that just to complete the filmography. You know. Yeah. Since we yeah. watched Torque. 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 
Dork to dork to dork. Dork dork. Um, Peter Tork? No. Um, yeah. Yeah. But man, um, but no, I mean, I feel like this movie, again, there's good stuff here, but there's also so many missed opportunities. And you also cast just two of the most nondescript looking white boys in the main roles. Like yeah. I'm watching this with my partner when the the alien boy is on the screen and she's like, who is that actor? I know him from something. And I literally pulled up his filmography and just started reading. And she goes, oh, no, I've never seen him before. He just looks like someone else, which yeah. I feel like I talked about just a couple of weeks ago, just like the ubiquity of like certain like a certain actor type where you get like this guy. And it, it's like around this time you can just get like a guy like you get like 12 guys with like the same face and hair color and you just trade, just swap. I can't get that one. Well, let me get this one. Oh, not that one's not available. Let me get this other. And you just got, you can just like mix them and match them. And they're not particularly great actors, but they, you can just slot them into anything and they can just play that like handsome leading man thing. Like that very stoic. I'm not doing anything kind of role really well. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of fucking depressing to me, like, because I'm looking at this and I also looked I while I was doing the research, looked up the the guy who played um, the the main the lead character. And I am number four. And I can't tell them apart from this. They're completely different actors, but I can't fucking tell them apart. There's a couple uh, kids from that YA era that have very unique faces and the one is the baby driver kid. Mm, and yeah. the other one is our boy, Josh, Hutch- Josh Hutcherson. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that like, they're the only two that don't look like carbon copies of the rest of them. Right. Right. And I mean, the guy that plays Ben, uh, ben Tramer, Kramer Harper Parrish um, <laughs> in this movie. And, and a few years later, he, a couple years later, he's doing love Simon, which is another YA adaptation. Like, Good for him. um, and then you get guys like Asa Butterfield, who was in Ender's Game. He goes on to do the show Sex Education, which you, if you listen to What Are We Watching, you've heard me talk about. Well, and and that's that's one of the good things that we get from some of these shitty YA movies. Like, I have no interest in Twilight. Please, no one ever make me watch a Twilight. I watched the first don't. 10 minutes of the first one, and I'm like, I can't do this. I've never seen any of them, and I don't want to see them. But damn it, if we didn't get a couple great lead actors from those mm-hmm. movies. We got Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. Two like, of the best fuck, actors of, the, of their generation. They are amazing. Frankly. And we, you know, if it weren't for Twilight, we might not be sitting here talking about them right now. Very true. I'm just saying. Very true. Like, credit where credit's due. No. No, 100%. And Absolutely. that's where also where you get like your Josh Hutcherson's, like I said, you know, there's so many people that come out of this. But for every one of those, there's like five other just very vague, yeah. nondescript looking, bland, uh, pretty boys, for, for lack of a better term, right? Wait, did you say the Divergent Girls uh, retired? Shailene Woodley, soft retired. I liked her a lot. She's really, tell you what she's really good in, Big Little Lies. She I just fucking want to see her in more stuff because she's great, it. dude. She's married that... to, I think, uh, she may not still be, but she was married to, or may, may still be, uh, married to uh, Aaron Rodgers, that football player who was like uh, like an anti-vaxxer. Oh. Oh, boy. Well, she yeah. was in Ferrari. She's still doing shit, dude. Yeah, man. 
But like, I mean, like I said, soft retired, not hard retired. She's not like out for good, but like, oh, it, I, she's in that movie that has a great cast that I have no interest in, man. Dumb money. Yeah. One of the, one of the, Aww. you know, movies, of, biopics about a brand. Oh, and look at this. You got Paul Dano. You got Pete Davidson, Vincent D'Onofrio, America Ferrera, Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, Sebastian Stan. I could Clancy motherfucking Brown. Anthony Ramos, like, Shailene Woodley. I, but yeah. I don't Dean fucking Dahan, care. I want Olivia to Thrilby. care because I love this cast. Everybody in this cast is fucking like, and Paul Dano is always a, a must see for me. I, lo- I this love would be Paul like Dano. the first Paul Dano movie I've skipped. I think I, no, I love Paul Dano. He's great. But yeah, again, it's that like that's the hot new thing in Hollywood. Let's do a movie about a, a about a brand, a biopic about a brand or a store or a yeah. So I didn't it, like Air, but there was one I wanted. What I liked? What was Blackberry? The one I I've heard is the good one. Oh yeah, I want to see that too. I've got to see Jay Baruchel in that one. And Glenn Howerton apparently is and really Glenn fucking Howerton, good in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way into that, they're they're talking. Maybe they did the the Beanie some... Baby one with Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, I didn't see that. The trailer looked fine. Like honestly, I like Zach Galifianakis, but. Just do more between two ferns, dude. That's all I want. That's all I fucking want. The bloopers for that are so fucking hilarious. It's just the show. It's a, did you see the movie? No. It's really good. You should. It's not like you're trying to figure out how do you bake between two ferns a movie. You're not going to figure it out. You got to see it. It's okay. really good. Especially just, if you're a fan of the show, which I totally am. There was, I don't know, he interviewing Brie, uh, yeah, Brie Larson. And is like, so your parents got divorced when you were seven? She's like, yeah. He's like, was that your fault? <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? And then he, he asked something. He goes, do you think it was because your uh, your parents named you after a piece of cheese? <laughs> and like neither one of them can keep a straight face. Like they, they just end up busting up so hard. And I'm, I don't know how anyone can do that show with him and just keep a straight face because he is so fucking mean to everybody in the funniest way. Like it's so good. And thank you for that, Zach Galifianakis, because now we have stuff like Derek Andre show. Right. Which is also just, I guess, I guess that would be considered maybe cringe humor, but it's not the same. It's I watched an episode of that and I, I was just like, this is not my, this is a bridge too far for me. That is insane. Sure. Insane. And like, I. I respect the hell out of it and I love it, but I can't watch it more than like maybe one episode every couple months, man. Cause it's just, it's so much. And I, that's more than so I can do. Much. I, I liked that movie that he did uh, a couple years ago. Um, Yo, uh, he's a really good actor movie? by the way, but you're talking about the one that was uh, not really, he wasn't really acting in. It was the one they were going across the country doing stuff or whatever. Right. Yeah. With like Tiffany Haddish and Laurel. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck was that movie called? Um, it was called Bad Trip. One of my favorite movies of 2021, <laughs> Bad Trip, actually. Like, I really liked Bad Trip. I thought that was really fun. He was really good in The Righteous Gemstones. He's really good in The Righteous Gemstones. Season two, so good. <sighs> he was good in this show called Man Seeking Woman, um, another Simon Rich show. Uh, no, he was really he's good, good in that. Man. He's good. But yeah, um, 
We should probably wrap up talking about the fifth wave because we've been sure. really doing everything we can to not hey, talk about the fifth well, wave. Well, and right? no, you know what? Before we hit that plot, we talked about it a lot, actually. We did. We, and did. We've we had we've, we've been on some tangents, but we I think we've covered this film, I think. We've had several diversions. Uh divergence? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Straight up maybe. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, it's it is is it good? No. Like, I feel like I want more out of this movie than what I get from it. But I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the fatigue with the genre, the fact that this movie is not doing enough originally, um, or if it's just not doing enough, a good enough job at adapting the source material to make me care. Like, I'm not sure where to point the point, the blame at this movie Mm -hmm. um, for not being better, but it just, I just wish it were better. Like, again, like you said, it feels like there's a good idea in here at the heart of this thing. It's just not executed well in this movie. Well, and there are, I think there are several uh, well done moments in this film, too. But as a whole, right. It just doesn't. It gets so close so many times. Mm -hmm. So close. And falls flat on its face right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's what it is, man. So the fifth wave comes out on, it opens on Thursday, January 14th, 2016. So it's a January movie. So right away, studio does not have a lot of confidence in this one. Uh, Let's do the weekend for the 15th. So it's opening weekend. It opens at, uh, I think I'm in the wrong weekend. Oops. Uh-oh. Yes. So it opens um, the opening weekend. So I guess it opens wide on the uh, the 22nd, I guess, is the wide open is the wide release on this one. Um, it makes 10,000 or 10 million. Sorry, 10.3 million dollars. It's opening weekend. It opens at number six, which is not a great no. opening for this oh, one. At I was going to say three. No six. That sucks. Six is bad. So it makes 10.3. It's opening weekend. Domestically, it earns 35 million, 34.9 million dollars in its full box office run. So not a good multiplier. What's the budget? The budget on this, according to the numbers.com, is 38. Oh, okay. Million. So doesn't even make back its budget. It looks, at, it looks like about a thirty million dollar movie. Right. That's it's all I was gonna there guess, on the screen. Some yeah. somewhere between thirty and fifty, I was gonna say. Yeah. How much they probably spent on this bitch. Now internationally it makes another seventy six million. So we're looking at about a worldwide gross of hundred and eleven million, but still those are not the numbers you want for a for a franchise starter. Um, particularly with that very lackluster opening weekend. Um, so let's take a look at the films in theaters that opening weekend at number one in its fifth weekend up from number two, the weekend before it's the movie that finally got Leonardo DiCaprio, his Oscar, the revenant from the year before. Still haven't seen it. I started to watch it and I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just don't think I care. Uh, in second place, a movie that I have invoked on this episode already, J.J. Abrams's Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. I saw that at the movie theater. I saw that one opening night. That one's been out six weeks at this point, and it's number two. 
So the new releases are not really hitting. But again, it's January. This is well, not know, the film. It's not the time of year you want to dump new releases. It's I, I want to, if I may, pause for just a second and say that I'm not the type of dude what like intends to go see a Star War at the movie theater. Sure. But you have to understand. Do I? Everyone is fucking batshit crazy about Star Wars. So like mm-hmm. every friend I have is just like just like jerking off to the thought of seeing this movie. And so like mm-hmm. I'm going to see it at the theater because, you know, I hang out with my friends and they're sure. going to go see it. Right. This was one, honestly, I was not planning on seeing this one opening weekend. And then my my ex was like, hey, do you have plans? And I was like, no. And she's like, all right, cool. I'm, we're doing something tonight. I was like, okay, what are we doing? She's like, I'll tell you later. I was like, okay. And then just turns out we were going to see Star Wars. Like a couple of our friends were going. And so we just went and saw Star Wars. And so after that, I made her go see the other movies in the, the sequel trilogy in theaters on opening night. I was like, well, you look, you started this. So if you don't like it, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have set that precedent. So, yeah. Um, in third place is right along two, uh, down from number one, the weekend before it's only been out for two weeks. So it opens what at number we one road along again. Right. And that's really what it should have been called. Right. Right along again. Um, Another ride along or riding longer. Um, yeah. Long ride to in no. in fourth place is uh, Lionsgate's Dirty Grandpa, which I can't remember if that's the Johnny Knoxville one or the Robert De Niro one. I don't know either. <laughs> uh, let me look. That is Doesn't the matter. Robert, next. That, okay. That's the Robert De Niro one. Yeah, I just looked it up. Okay. Um, in fifth place, The Boy, um, which what I think is that, a boy. Is that that? Yeah, that's that horror movie about the doll. Um and that that four five and six all opening this week so dirty grandpa the boy and the fifth wave all opening this week opening at four five and six respectively not great speaking of michael bay which we were benghazi 13 hours the secret soldiers of benghazi is uh down from number four in its second weekend at number seven i don't even know what the fuck that is it's that's the one with like john krasinski um about benghazi uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Daddy's Home in eighth place. That's that Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg movie. Yep. Uh, in ninth place, Norm of the North, a movie that does not exist. Um, nope. And in tenth place, a little movie called The Big Short. That's a movie. Also, so, yeah. There's your uh, there's your opening opening weekend box office for the fifth wave. The Tomatometer score is a seventeen percent harsh with unimpressive critic consensus with unimpressive effects and plot points seemingly pieced together from previous dystopian YA sci-fi films. Thank you. The fifth wave ends up feeling like more of a limp derivative wriggle. Could not have put it better myself. Um, the tomato or the, the Metacritic score, excuse me, the meta score on this one is a 33 uh, based on mostly negative reviews, generally unfavorable reviews from 30 critics. And the Letterboxd score on this one is a 2.1. Tucker, out of five possible stars, what are you giving 2016's The Fifth Wave? Look, I had a real good time with this movie. There were some points where I it kind of lost me, especially in the second act. But overall, despite its flaws, I had a really good time with this movie, and it's 
so close to a three. It's so close to a three for me, but it's a two and a half. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a one and a half for me. Yeah, that's, that's I a- mean, based on what we've been saying during this episode, that tracks for both ratings, I'd say. Right, right. I would agree. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the fifth wave, everybody. Like I'll wave four times and here's the fifth one coming in. Cause we're saying goodbye now. Um, look, thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys listening and check us out on all of our social media platforms. We're at disenfranch pod on Instagram, letterboxd, blue sky, YouTube, uh, did I say letterboxd already? Let me say it again. Letterboxd. You did. At disenfranch pod. Find us there. Um, you can also uh, shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also um, head, our, head up our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod, five bucks a month. There's at least one new episode a week, and we try to drop another something else every month if we can. Uh, but do go check that out. Uh, there's so much content behind that paywall. You will, you, it will take you some time to get through it all. Um, and I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, not Twitter anymore in or eh, I'm kind of still on Twitter, Instagram letterboxd blue sky at chewy walrus. You can find the absent Brett Wright at sus underscore warlock on Instagram and letterboxd and sus warlock on blue sky Tucker. Where can we find you? I'd like to start by saying um, that Eric Andre is in inland empire. Um, And then I'll say that you can find me on YouTube. <laughs> Excuse me. You can find me on YouTube and Instagram at ice909. That's I C E N I N E, the number zero and the number nine. I'm also on Instagram. I got tuck mugs, tuck underscore mugs. That's where we talk about mugs and where we got them and what's in them and how super duper rad they are. And that's where you can find me. Cool. Thanks. And so um, that's all we got for this episode. So uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy, from my co host, Tucker, and the absent Brett Wright. Until next time. I just waved at you. I just waved at you five times. Five times. I saw I counted. He did it five. They're all there. Bye.